Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V the Gorilla Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News. We have Hanging with Harley, folks. Hanging with Harley. Harley Schlanger's here. He is a man that needs no introduction. You can find his work over at the LaRoucheOrganization.com as well as the SchillerInstitute.com as well. There's lots to talk about. I don't want to waste any more time on the intros. Harley, how are you, sir? How's it going? Well, I'm doing pretty well. I, I think we've seen something interesting in the last couple of days which is that the British have decided to respond to the slight opening that came from the Biden-Putin summit by trying to trigger a war with a little stunt they pulled in the Black Sea. They're insane. They're literally insane. I mean, uh, it's the mouse that roar. They had the uh, HMS uh, Pretender. Okay. <laughs> it pretends to be a warship. So it's the HMS Pretender. And, and, and the Russians, I, I, I saw the entire video. The Russians were smart enough to put the video out there for people to see the and the radar tracking, which shows that the damn vessel did inc- did indeed cross into Russian territorial waters. Well, v, the, the interesting thing is the British reaction tells the whole story. Initially, they denied there was any incident. Then they said if there was anything, it was Putin trying to show off to the Russian people that he's going to defend the land they conquered. Then Boris Johnson... Johnson's office put out a statement saying that, uh, well, we don't know what happened. We don't. We we have no confirmation. However, we don't recognize Russia's um, control over Crimea. And then the it turned out that the BBC had a correspondent on the Defender, the British ship, and he had filed a report saying that there had been warnings, radio warnings from the Russians that then there were shots fired across the bow. There were planes that flew overhead. There were bombs dropped in the path of the ship, all of which was denied by the British. And then the uh, uh, Russian ambassador at the uh, OSCE in Vienna said, look, next time those bombs are going to be dropped on your ship. Don't play games with this. And I think what we're seeing is the British trying to force the U.S. hand. Now, it also occurs as Macron and Merkel played a, a kind of dual game. They, they at the EU meeting, uh, they on the one hand said, well, the Russians have been behaving badly and they should stop it. However, they both said the EU should have regular dialogue with Russia and with Putin. And this led the British again to go berserk. Of course, the British aren't in the EU, but the NATO officials went nuts. And then the Lithuanian uh, official 
a representative to the EU from Poland, all of them said, oh, no, no, don't talk to Putin. He's a bad guy. And it's interesting because, you know, Merkel is not the, the gutsiest person there is. But the fact that she even said, let's talk to Putin, uh, caused a total freakout from NATO. So I think we're in uncharted, uncharted waters in terms of U.S.-Russian relations. I don't fully trust what Biden is up to and what the U.S. administration is up to. But there was a report that came out yesterday from Rand Corporation, which said that the Russian military, if there would be a war in Europe, the Russians would win. If it went to theater nuclear war, the Russians would win. And that this is shaping the reaction, the more cautious reaction from the U.S. and the more flight forward reaction from the paper tiger, Britain. Correct. You know, it, it's incredible because it, it's a known fact that Russia could end NATO militarily in a matter of hours, in a matter of hours. And what they could have done with the HMS Pretender, <clears throat> they could have hit it. They could have done the same thing with uh, what they did against the Donald, the, the USS Donald Duck, <laughs> which is hit it with an energy weapon where the entire ship goes dead and then let a floating barge come and pick it up. They could have done that. And, the, you know, maybe next time they should. But the fact of the matter remains is that these morons that belong to a country, the mouse that roared, is, is out there trying to flex its muscles. And if you look at the, the, uh, the Type 45 destroyer that the, that the UK uses, the Defender, it is not a heavily armored ship. That ship, is, that ship could, you know, a well-placed anti-ship missile uh, directly to the hull will send that thing directly to the bottom of, of, of the Black Sea. But they, they do this, and they, they don't care because they want the war. These people are sick, Harley. Well, they don't really think that this is going to get them into a war with Russia. They're thinking they can get the U.S. into a war with oh, Russia. Of course. And that's, that's why it's not so much the mouse that roared, but the uh, provocative little prick who's, who's looking for a fight for someone else to, to wage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's been the M.O. of the British Empire the last years, ever since it became clear to them that, that they didn't have the funds to outfit a, a modern Navy. Their nuclear arsenal is old. Uh, you know, they're sending this um, frigate this, or this battle group into the uh, Indo-Pacific. Their aircraft carrier has to borrow aircraft from the U.S. Marines. Yep. Yep. You know, there's some people are saying that they could lose a war to the large ants on Gibraltar. <laughs> they could. They really could. You know, the funny thing is also, Harley, is that um, they uh, you know, there's no logic as to why they're doing what they're doing. There's really, I mean, they either two things. These, these people are massive idiots, which they are. And but they they're also... There, there, there is logic within their own bubble. Exactly. Is, and that's the problem. And here's what they're thinking. And unfortunately, too many in the U.S. think this way also, that we've got to show that we're still strong enough so that we can be the unilateral power in the world. This goes back to with the fall of the Soviet Union, when instead of having a divided world, you now had these idiots, the Project for a New American Century, the Wolfowitzes and others. The crazies. Um, Fukuyama, end of history. We won. Everyone has to march to our tune. Now, if our tune was a good tune and it really worked, 
Well, maybe you could say, okay, then, then that's right. But the so-called rules-based order that they've set in motion doesn't function. It's not a good economic system. It's not good for the United States. It's good for a small number, less than 1% of the population of the US, uh, the UK, and the European Union, who are able to engage in speculation, who have access to free credit, uh, who will be bailed out if their risk-taking causes them to lose. They're, that's who this is designed to protect. And the fact that Russia has said they're not going along with either the Green New Deal or the Great Reset. The Chinese are not going to go along with the Great Reset or the Green New Deal. The Indians are not going to go along with this. The Japanese are dragging their heels. The, the French and the Italians, uh, even though they talk about it, the French are not going to give up nuclear power because they have nothing to replace it with. Yep. And Japan and India, or India uh, needs coal. Yep. All of Africa needs coal. Yep. Sub-Saharan Africa, 50% of the population does not have regular electricity. And the ones that do, it's coming from coal. Yep. So this idea that we're going to shut down carbon uh, is a complete fraud. It's a genocidal imperial policy. And yep. much of the world is, is saying no to that. Yeah. So you have this unilateral bully that's not even that big a bully anymore. You know, look, the United States still has a powerful military. Somewhat. But powerful in what sense? If you have to fight a land war, it's I not mean, they're good at taking on mud huts, Harley. I'll tell you that one. I mean, they're great at invading third world countries, but against a technological peer, they get their asses handed to them in about 2.2 seconds. CJ, pull back that article you put with the MiG-31s. Harley, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Russia just, you know, they deployed the MiG-31 Foxhound, one of my favorite aircrafts, incredible plane. Uh, yeah. able to catch an SR-71 Blackbird without issue uh, with the invincible Kinzel missile, the hypersonic Mach 20 missile that we have no defense against whatsoever. And all of a sudden, the, the, here's the news. As soon as Israel found out the MiG, that, that foxhounds are going to be out there patrolling and they're going to be part, taking part, part of war games, all of a sudden, F-35 flights are grounded, Harley. Because what most yeah. people don't realize is that the ACER radar system that's in the MiG-31 foxhound can track U.S. stealth aircraft. They don't realize that. Plus, the infrared search and track capabilities as well. All but of a sudden, F-35s are grounded. Now, here's the other thing, V, that I think is interesting. Putin made a speech the other day where he said, let's look at what happened 80 years ago, because I think on Tuesday it was the 80-year commemoration of the Nazi invasion of Russia, the Operation Barbarossa. And Putin has been making the point that not just that Russia suffered more than anyone else or the Soviet Union in World War II, but that it was a good ally. It did work with the United States. Yes, it did. And that there's no reason why they can't work together today. And he said, look, we've, we can breathe a sigh of relief after uh, the Geneva summit that we at least set on paper that we would not fight a nuclear war. But it's necessary that we have real discussion. And this is the strategic uh, uh, roundtable discussion that's supposed to start in July. It should start today. You know, if, if there are some people in the U.S. military who are doing other things than, than studying critical race theory and the Green New Deal. Well, which, that's, that is the greatest threat you know, facing this nation is well, it, the white rage, according well, to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. 
when General Milley is in front of the Congress telling people to read books about the uh, uh, Project uh, 1619. And then Lloyd Austin, the man from Raytheon, is saying that the military has to retool itself to fight the, the, the uh, climate change. You know we've lost the war. Done. So the question then is, what avenue do the American people have to change it? A lot of people thought it was going to be Trump. It didn't work out. Now, I think the nostalgia for bringing Trump back is, is a diversion that's being played to keep people who otherwise would be in the fight to get the U.S. in the right to, to adopt the right policy. If you think that Donald Trump's coming back, take a look at the military that you're hoping will pull a coup. They're going Why not? With- Hardly. They can pull a coup, even though they're having drag, uh, drag queen uh, drag shows and stuff like that in military bases, you know, in, in, in Nellis Air Force Base to help the morale and battle readiness. That just makes us, doesn't diversity make us stronger, Harley? Doesn't the fact that we have 3,000 genders in this country make us an absolute venerable fighting force? Well, and, and the fact that the Joint Chiefs and the leaders of the military who people thought were going to set up tribunals and pull off a coup, yeah, they're talking about taking what? on climate change, yeah, which is against <laughs> what Trump was talking about. Yeah. Their support for critical race theory, that goes against what Trump wanted to do. So the it, you, know, you know the shocking fact is, Harley. Yeah, Vladimir Putin has saved more Americans than Donald Trump has, and that's a, that is a damn true fact. Well, you know the the uh, the German army in World War II said their favorite general was Montgomery because he saved more Germans from fighting the Americans. Yep. Yep. No, but you see, this is this is where people in the United States are are facing a moment where. If they come to their senses, if the American people do, and and some are, but some are still in delusional uh, la-la land. We have, let me mention one other thing that's happened in the last couple of days that I think points to the real problem. In Milan, Italy, a, a northern Italian city that's an industrial center, it's a very beautiful city, they've had prolonged power outages five days in a row. Uh, and they say it's because they don't don't have enough uh, excess capacity. You have bridges collapsing in Germany, one that connects Mainz and Frankfurt, you know, one of the business hubs of Germany. This is the second bridge over the Main River that's collapsed in, in the last five years. In the U.S., you have power surges that are stressing the, the capability of country, companies to produce electricity in California and Texas. Then you have this condo collapse in Miami. Now, I know someone's going to end up saying it's because of climate change. But the fact of the matter is that, that we have a very old infrastructure. We're not upgrading it. Instead, we're putting money into military fantasies. And you know we've got to make a shift quickly to a new paradigm. And we're having a conference this weekend, the Schiller Institute is, uh, which will include in the first panel, I'm the co-moderator of the first panel, and I'd like to encourage all your listeners to, to log on to it. I think they may be able to get it from the, the Rogue uh, website. But the, the speakers we're going to have, a, it will be a keynote from Helga Zepp-LaRouche, then Andrei Kortunov, who is the head of the Russian International Affairs Council, which is essentially the, the Russian foreign ministry. He's going to speak 
an official from uh, China will speak, an Indian official. This is the first time we've had high-level Indian participation. And he's going to talk about LaRouche's idea of the four powers, India, yeah. Russia, China, and the United States, as the core group that created, could create a new financial system to break with this speculative, rotten, debt-ridden bubble. And then Ray McGovern, uh, 23-year CIA veteran, was former uh, briefer of presidents. Uh, he's going to speak also. He's one of the co-founders with Bill Binney of the VIPs, the Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. So that's the first panel starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. Uh, then I'll be chairing the economics panel on Sunday, which will start at 9 a.m. Eastern. And we'll have a full review of the danger of hyperinflation, the idiocy of the Fed and the Great Reset. And I'd encourage people to either go to the schillerinstitute.com to log in so you can participate or pick it up from uh, Rogue News. I think CJ said he'll be streaming the uh, at least the first panel. Yeah, that's correct. Good. So uh, last time we had a big audience from Rogue, and that's uh, we're very happy about that. And hopefully we'll be giving you not just an alternative to the mainstream media, but actual uh, introduce to into public discussion, a different thought process, starting with the idea that this paradigm is dead, the financial system is gone, the empire has no close. But it's not the end of the world because we still have the American system, we have the constitution, we have the example of American physical economics that was revived by Lyndon LaRouche in the 70s and 80s. So, and by the way, many of these ideas were supported by Trump when he was running in 2016, like the restoring of Glass-Steagall and Hamiltonian American system economics. He just never implemented it. And it was partly because the Republican Party is so damn corrupt. So come join us, participate in the discussion, uh, leave your cynicism or your demoralization at the door. Uh, we, we do have a, a lot to say. And, and of course, if people want to disagree, they're certainly welcome to register on the SchillerInstitute.com website and participate in the discussion. Yeah, very well said. Harley, anything else that's on the radar? I mean, we have a, speaking of infrastructure, we had a building collapse here in Florida. Yeah. Um, 99 people missing. It's, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, this is, and people don't realize, they're like, oh my God, the building collapse in, in Florida. Folks, do you know how many tens of thousands of buildings that are in the same state of decay that that building, that that condominium complex was in Florida? Several thousands of these are waiting to happen all throughout the country, as, as well as bridges, roads, tunnels, the list goes on and on. But don't worry, they're going to come I, rescue us with a, with, a, with an infrastructure bill, Harley. Yes. I, I just saw something posted on the chat line, which is actually very significant as well, that when you talk about the collapse of morality in the United States and, and the indifference toward other people's suffering, uh, there are now four times as many suicides of veterans yep. as there are casualties in the armed forces. Yep. These are the people that we're sending to fight in these wars to who who are not responsible for the idiocy of the mission they're sent on. Yep. You know, their job is to fight and, and do what they're they're told to the best of their ability. And they're coming back from these wars 
not with the same sense of pride that the World War II veterans had, that they did something good for humanity, yeah. but with the sense that what was that all about? Why were we killing people? You know, th th this brings up the whole question of the immorality of the sanctions that we're imposing on Syria and Yemen. In Yemen, there are literally millions of children who are starving because the U.S. supported Saudis have an embargo. They've shut down the ports. There's, it's almost impossible to get food into the country and medicine. And then the Caesar sanctions that came from that immoral pseudo-Christian Mike Pompeo uh, is killing people, including Christians and Jews in Syria, because they yep. have no access to food. And meanwhile, the U.S. is allowing food to go into the Idlib province, which is under the control of an al-Qaeda affiliate yep. uh, through support from Turkey. Uh, and the U.S., through the Kurdish allies, are stealing the oil in northeastern Syria as well as the wheat. So the idea, and this is where Blinken, you see the immorality of the Secretary of State Blinken. It's a rules-based order. Yeah, the rules-based order is we set the rules, you don't go along with them, we kill you. And when we kill enough of you, maybe you'll get rid of your president. So you'll you'll join the rules-based order. Now, I have to say the people of Syria have shown incredible courage. And uh, I mean, the, the Christians, the, the Sunni Muslims, the, the Shia, because they've stood up against Al-Qaeda and ISIS and al-Nusra, who were armed to the teeth by the uh, billions of dollars from the United Arab Emirates, from the Saudis, from the Turks, uh, and from the U.S., as well as training and logistical support. They stood up and fought. And they weren't fighting for Assad. They were fighting for their country. And many of them saw Assad and the Syrian military as the only defense for them against the beheading lunatics of the uh, extremist Islamic forces. So that's why the, the fight in Syria is so important. And the fact that the U.S. is still pushing for regime change there shows that we have a continuation of the British geopolitics when it comes to the so-called Middle East. Wars, chaos, uh, propping up dictatorships like the Saudis. <clears throat> when was the last time they had an election in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, or Kuwait. So we have to get the United States on the right side of history. Tra the tradition of the United States is a good one. The practice of the last generations of leadership uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Absolutely. Very well said. Harley Schlanger, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your information with us. And folks, we, this weekend is going to be the uh, the conference. <clears throat> the links are over there at the Institute.com as well as the LaRoucheOrganization.com. Uh, we will also be streaming that on Rogue News, so you guys can catch it on all three places. Uh, with, with that being said, enjoy your weekend. CJ, take it away.